Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome, everyone! To the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are basking in the malaise of All Elite Wrestling's Double or Nothing, we are here via our Ica Pro powered DeLorean and we are basking at the end of the 1993 era, sort of. Post Hulkamania, post Lex Luger superstar run, pre WrestleMania WWF type shenanigans, and who be we? I be fake Geordie, occasional radio presenter Tom Campbell, and I am joined by the bear in the big blue bar cage. Who, if you told him to go double or nothing on a pencil he would snap it twice and and take a pen out of his breast pocket because he gets it right every time justin henry is there from off of america well near as i can tell my slayer south of heaven shirt does not have a breast pocket <laughs> we can cut a hole in it sir i could or i'll just let the moths do the work for me how are we doing on this glorious week? First week in June. I'm doing quite good. The weather's getting nicer. It's, I mean, some days are ungodly hot, but you know, that's going to be expected here in New Jersey. But life is good. Life is very good. That's what we like to hear. Even here in the northeast of England, we have been blessed with some beautiful sunshine and incredibly warm weather, which is which we're not used to. This is this is alarming. Like we've all got jeans and long and long sleeve shirts that, quite frankly, are superfluous at this point. Which is why the majority of people in the northeast choose to walk around without a t-shirt on, which isn't always the best look. But I ain't gonna stop them. Head to each their own, right? Each to their own, my friend. So this is where myself and Justin Henry we go back in time. We are chronologically critiquing. Thank you, OSW review. At the early nineties of Monday Night Raw, and indeed the pre-new generation era of Monday Night Raw. Are we still in the pre-new generation era, or are we very much in the new generation era now, Justin? Uh, yeah, the new generation doesn't officially begin until right around the King of the Ring, which in '94, which conveniently is right after Hogan showed up in WCW, and right. they were trying to write off him as like like being old and feeble, and uh, that was, of course you know, the main event of that show was Roddy Piper and Jerry Lawler, so <laughs> so we did well on that new generation front. Well done, everybody. We're all heroes. 
So as we stand on the tippy-toe precipice of the new generation era, where and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, we are we are in Poughkeepsie, New York at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center. It is December 13th, 1993. And quick note before we get into this show, I was reading through the dark matches of the taping. Now keep in mind, dark matches is the stuff that, you know, is just... Uh, Possibly looking at possible matchups for the future, just running something for the live crowd. You had Savage and Crush fighting to a double DQ. You had Yokozuna beating Razor Ramon in a champion versus champion match. And most interestingly, in a match that will not air for 13 more days, they had the tournament final for the uh, rebirthed women's championship. Alundra Blaze pinning Heidi Lee Morgan with a German suplex to win the title. Now, they mentioned this fairly recently because... They just sort of casually dropped in. Uh, we've got a tournament going on to crown a new women's champion. We won't go into any more detail than that. We don't need to. Uh, yeah, it, it's happening in Memphis because the uh, USWA is helping us out. It's just, it, it, it is mentioned very offhand. Kind of just like, like, oh, there's a tournament. And anyway, back to Bastion Booger. <laughs> back to the reason why we're all here. Even... Even more interesting, well, at least interesting to me, on the same day that this show took place, New Japan ran a show in Osaka, and th and this was an actual match on the show. Mike Enos, who is a former uh, Bo Beverly. Enos! You're an Enos! You're an Enos! God, that's been 10 years already. <laughs> Hashtag Mike Enos. <laughs> Mike Enos and the Nasty Boys who at the time were the World Tag Champs at WCW, defeated the Great Muda, Victor Black Cat Marr, and everyone's favorite bread lover, Satoshi Kojima. Gosh. That's no accounting for taste in the 90s, is there? It's like someone created Bo Beverly on Fire Pro and just couldn't wait to use him. Like, do <laughs> a scramble match. Jeez. That's a, that's a strange old order, that is. Back in the day where the Nasty Boys were considered one of the finest tag teams on the planet. Yeah, they were they were tremendous brawlers. I guess the I guess the Nasties and Bo Beverly were sort of like the uh, primordial version of Bullet Club. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! It's true. Oh, that's horrifying. The nasty, the nasty Bucks and Hangman Beverly. <laughs> Pit stop party. John. John. If you could please. <laughs> Crack on, mate. <laughs> You know what to do. Nasty boys no further explanation needed. Thank you, please. So this show begins uh, with a very, very, very happy Vince McMahon, who is so happy that Bobby Heenan is gone. Like, like he's, he's now reading the footage of Monsoon kicking him out last week, and he is just full of joy. This is for Poji's dad! <laughs> in, in his tone. <laughs> he is in great he could form not be, tonight. He could not be happier. So for this show and going forward, we have we have replacement commentators because we're not going to settle on a full-time guy yet. I wonder if maybe they were just waiting for Lawler's legal issues to play out because 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 the chair was going to be his. Like in the meantime, assuming he doesn't get convicted or anything, we're just going to put different people in this seat on a, on a weekly basis. And the first choice for commentator is a great one. Although this weekend in the news, his name hasn't been uh hasn't come up in a great light. That would be Mr. James E. Cornett, manager of Yokozuna and the Heavenly Bodies. 
very excited to have James Cornette doing the commentary this week. That's quite a lateral move going from Bobby to the corny. And so he will be the first name on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Reviews Bartlett Heenan scale. So somewhere in between Rob Bartlett and Bobby the Brain Heenan will sit Jim Cornette. And we will determine that by the end of the night. I can't wait until about a quarter of a century from now when we start calling it the Coachman Heenan skill. <laughs> Do you really think Coachman drops it that far? Further than Mike Adamley did. Guys, the word of the hour is malaise. <laughs> Guys, the hyphenated word of the hour is bargain basement. Fair point, well made. So on tonight's show, we have Bret Hart in action. And we have a match that I would want to see in any era. Macho Man Randy Savage versus Headshrinker Fatu. This is this was the weird match that they promoted last week. Because obviously they're promoting all the shenanigans between Randy Savage and Crush very heavily. And last week they had this package which was like all the story of like the summit, the betrayal. And now Randy Savage is back in action to face Fatu. What? What? What did Fatu get involved in this? <laughs> I, I think Vince Russo pulled a more random swerve than that. It did it's feel just, very. Like, it did. Maybe Russo wrote that bit, but like he went back in time and wrote it. Well, he was for the magazine at that point. So he was on the books. <laughs> bro, I'm a jack of all trades, bro. Here's a, here's an idea for an angle, bro. You hope we're going to do Savage and Crush, but then you... Never mind. We're very, I'm very say, glad that time. we didn't uh, incur the ire of Vince Russo during the Cultaholic News this week. I was very ready for us to be dealing with that, but we didn't oh, need God to. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> yeah, Russo is... Uh, I guess he's still relevant. Now he has people believe in the WWE AEW in cahoots story. I do, I, that story yeah, does still fascinate me. It does make me chuckle. I mean, it's Boulder Dash, but it's still very funny. Well, it's like, it's like every insane Kennedy assassination conspiracy theory all rolled up in the one. Made even more crazy. It's like, oh, maybe Kennedy was, uh, maybe Bruno Sammartino was there and he, and he took a shot at Ivan Koloff and Koloff ducked and then boom, there goes the president. And then Cody like, met up. Vince on the grassy knoll, bro. He meant to give him crossroads, but then the gun in his hip pocket went off and shut up. Just, <laughs> it's like, we get it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I got to say, hearing pomp and circumstance on these shows with Savage the Active Wrestler just adds a little bit more. I love it. I love just... it. And it's nice that Randy Savage <laughs> is the first person out this week. Incidentally, um, my old hometown is the birthplace of Edward Elgar, who wrote Pomp and Circumstance. Really? So basically, me and, Man, me mm. and Macho Man are related. Mm. I, re <laughs> I just realized I had that song played for me 17 years ago this month. Oh, this is, this, is this your graduation anniversary? Yeah, 2002. Oh, May. Happy anniversary of your graduation. Want to be the same... When We're the you, same age, right? I think. I think. How old are you? Thirty-five. Yeah, we're the same age, but I think I stayed on an extra year at university, and then I got the mortarboards a year after. 
Is that your way of saying that you struggle with English and math and just math. a little bit of help? And- just math. <laughs> <laughs> I failed, failed my maths exam several times. <laughs> I was so smart. I didn't have math my senior year. I, I made like the easiest schedule possible, like law enforcement <laughs> class, creative writing, woodshop. Had to take an English because I was required. Like throw a study hall in there. Right as well. So hang on, law enforcement, creative writing, woodwork. Mm -hmm. So in theory, you could have left by writing a short story on a plank of wood and then making a citizen's arrest with it. That's you using all of your qualifications in one go. Uh, Pretty much. I did take a geography class, even though I didn't have to, just to kind of, you know, trump it up a little bit. To help you find the criminals. (laughs) Yes, I was... I'm with Carmen San Diego University. <laughs> when you were stood up there with your mortarboard, and we will get to Roar in a minute, when you were stood up there with your mortarboard, what mm-hmm. was your ambition? Actually, my ambition that night was to go home and watch the Phillies. Brilliant. Because <laughs> it actually rained during graduation, so none of our names got called. We just, they just jumped right to the end and said, all right, everyone turn your tassel and get the hell out. And like, yeah, good. Oh, I wanted like, to rush through it. Everyone else is hugging and saying goodbye. I'm running to my Jeep so I can beat be traffic and get home. Because <laughs> baseball's on. It's like, Jesus Christ, if you can't graduate high school. <laughs> I mean, if I can rant really fast about something unrelated. Well, my, it is related, but not related to the role. The last marking period of my senior year, I helped out in the office by handing out attendance sheets. Like during like fourth period or whatever, just like you know, walk to class, class and get hand the attendance sheets. So I got like who's absent today. And there'd be kids in twelfth grade, senior year, who were dropped from roll like, like dropped of course, in April and May. It's like, dude, you're almost there. <laughs> just like, stick at it a bit longer. Like, all you had to do was just not be a screw up for four more weeks and you're done for good. You can go and be a bum somewhere else. And I, like, I, I would just shake my head like, geez, I mean, uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Randy Savage, who who seems to reminded me of those halcyon days of 17 years ago. <laughs> Savage gets an oh yeah over the Hedgehogger's opening, uh, opening song sting, that uh, tribal noise, which is, a, which is an odd juxtaposition. Vince tells the Savage is back full-time. Yeah, we'll see about that. I had a thought that maybe Fatu was mad at Savage because his kids idolized Savage as a rapper and wanted to emulate him. <laughs> so you're trying to, you're trying to uh, retroactively put a bit of rivalry in here. They're all the kids, <laughs> the kids grew up listening to Be A Man Hulk and they decided, we want to do that as well. My name's on the cornerstone at the Uso Penitentiary. Yeah. <laughs> I've curved the days I've done at the Uso Penitentiary. Penit- I don't know what that means, but I've been there and I've carved the days in. <laughs> I'm the Macho Warden. Yeah. <laughs> so we get my favorite spot in any, in any big guy Samoan match where he, he takes a head bump to the canvas. And it springs right up and it super kicks the guy in the face with his bare foot. <laughs> I think Umaga did this also. It's, it's a tremendous spot. It never gets old. Genuinely, this was a really good night for Fatu, who really got a lot of offense in. 
on uh, on Savage in this. Well, Savage is very giving in the ring with his opponents. It could be like, it could be like Paul Roma. It could be anyone he's in there in the ring with. And, he, and, and, and they'll go 50-50 for a long time before finally winning. Because I think Savage knows that uh, he's always going to get his heat back no matter what. He's Randy Savage. He's one of the all-time greats. He's assured his top spot. Alpha gets involved at one point. Get a funny spot when Hebner, Hebner almost falls when Alpha rolls Savage back into the ring. Savage's feet kick at Hebner's legs and Hebner stumbles a bit. Meanwhile, Alpha has Hebner distracted, and Fatu takes that little broom feet that Alpha always carries around, starts hitting Savage with it. And I wrote, Fatu uses a what the hell is that? <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure myself. Like, so, like you said, like some sort of brush. Yeah, it was like a beard cleaner or something. I I, I don't know. <laughs> he starts hitting Savage, and Savage is selling it. I wrote in my notes here that Cornette has to be the first man to ever reference Jack Kerouac on WWE TV. I was going to ask you a bit more about Jack Kerouac. I thought you might know. He was like a poet or writer or something from the olden days. He was very like a hip, like hip cool kind of uh, like, he had like a Steve McQueen kind of coolness to it. Okay, he was a he was a novelist. I'm, not, I'm googling it now because I don't, apparently I don't read enough. Jack Kerouac. I mean, it's a great name to say. Uh, let's see here. I'll just read this paragraph really fast. He is considered a, a literary iconoclast, and alongside William S. Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg, a pioneer of the beat generation. Kerouac is recognized for his method of spontaneous prose. Thematically, his work covers topics such as Catholic spirituality, jazz, promis jazz promiscuity, Buddhism, drugs, poverty, and travel. He became an underground celebrity and, with other beats, a progenitor of the hippie movement, though he remained antagonistic towards some of its, some of, some of its politically radical elements. Go on, you're going to say something. I liked the fact that it's like promiscuity, booze, poverty, travel. I said Buddhism, not booze. Oh, be, well, even better. Buddhism and travel. Well, both are good for you. They make you feel good. Don't try to do but both yeah, at the so, same time. I bet Johnny Polo was seething that Cornette brought him up on, on WTV before he did. Furious, I bet. <laughs> Fatu takes this man-sized bump to the floor. He's up top. Savage knocks him off. And, of course, you, you can't hurt a Samoan wrestler, so Fatu just bounces to the floor. Axe handle to the outside follows. Savage throws him in. Scoop slam, elbow, finishes him. That was a fun little TV match. Yeah, I thought it was great. I was just surprised at how much Fatu managed to get, although by hook and crook and shenanigans and such, it's still, still Fatu looked competitive against Randy Savage, which I thought was really nice and refreshing to see. Hey, Fatu got a lot of offense in on Brett earlier this year. It's almost like they're pushing Fatu, but they're not. Well, it's, Fatu says he's always been an underrated performer, even when he was Rikishi. Because even for his size, he's very agile. He he knows he knows what he's doing in the ring. You can put him, you can put him in there with anyone, and he'll have an enjoyable match, just because he has great instincts. Has a will bump bump wildly for his size. He's got a lot going on. A lot, a lot of positives there. Also, Randy Savage looked genuinely delighted to be wrestling again, which I thought was lovely to see. Because he's he's been through the rigor with that because he's been told that he's not 
you know, he's not young and fresh enough to be a wrestler anymore. But yet here he is being a brilliant wrestler. He's like Randy Savage out there. No rust, no sign of aging whatsoever. He's 41 years old here, but he's still the macho man. He just looks great. I'm really pleased for him. I was also happy to see the Hello RSPW sign from when they were panning the crowd at one point. There's an outdated reference for you. I like it. So we go to Todd Pettengill, who's on the of Mania, wearing a, wearing a black duster. Not like a sport coat, not like a, like a regular jacket, but a full-length duster. Like he's the Undertaker. I thought it was a good look, actually. I was quite a fan of the look. American dumbass. I am American dumbass. Watch me kick. You can roll with rock. Or you can... Never mind. <laughs> it's my brother, Bart. Having a lovely time. I, I should have said radio edit. <laughs> you can radio edit. <laughs> I enjoyed the, right the radio edit of that song. song. It was nice to sing Kid Rock again. I haven't sang it in about six months. What was the last Kid Rock song you sang? Um, oh, I tell you what it was. The last Kid Rock song. I didn't sing it. I thought it. It was from the. It was from one of his later albums, and the song's called "Midnight Train to Memphis." Oh, okay. In an old yeah, suitcase, I swear I'll leave this place. I'll get you back in time. Okay, you're better. Can't drink you easily. off my mind. So I'll see you when I'm sober. That's what you're getting. <laughs> Sing Ba with the Ba. Ba with the Ba. Ba bang, 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 bang. Diggy, diggy. Set the boogie. Set up, jump the boogie. Ba with the. Alright, it's enough of that. <laughs> Welcome to Cultaholic Classic Kid Rock Review. This is where we sing Kid Rock songs together. <laughs> <laughs> We're reviewing Nitro in six years of Jeff Jarrett's theme music. <laughs> they will just, yeah, they'll just, we'll wait till Jeff Jarrett comes along and we'll rip that off again like he did before. Naughty boy. <laughs> so Penn Gill in his American dumbass duster does an imitation of Ross Perot, who is at least timely at the moment. Had to do with the whole NAFTA thing. And Todd actually says the phrase, take a bump, which could mean one of two things. Either he broke kayfabe or he's got a habit. <laughs> so, the reason why Pengill is on here, he's promoting a 900 number because we love 900 numbers in 1993. Should Randy Savage return to co-host WWF Mania? This is, this is another ridiculous swerve on Randy Savage. Last week's was hilarious. Crush and Savage, they hate each other. This week, Savage is back to fight Fatu. And so this, I was kind of half watching this bit and Todd Pettingill was like, we love Savage. We love how great he is. Da, da, da. Take a bump. Blah, blah, blah. So you have to decide. Should Randy Savage, I'm thinking, be a wrestler again, be a wrestler again. Should Randy Savage be my co-host on WWF Mania again? No, I want to watch him wrestle. Hate and, this. And to make it, and to make it worse, it's coming to be of me. <laughs> it's the seest of the seest. Like, here's the 2019 equivalent. Hey kids, Byron Saxon here. Boy, I love Luke Harper. He's a tremendous wrestler. 
I mean, sports entertainer. Sorry, Vince, don't kill me. And, God, I, I, I love seeing Luke Harper in action, and I'm sure you do too. So, should Luke Harper have his sit-out ended so that he can wrestle on main events? <laughs> no, it's not even that. It should be, we all love Luke Harper, great wrestler. Should, should, you know, and we think, like, we think like you, we should see more Luke Harper. So, should Luke Harper be the third commentator on main events? Should Luke Harper join the ring crew of NXT? Call now. Calls a fifty pound a minute. <laughs> Furious. Like, who cares who the co? Like who cares who the co-host of the C show on Saturday mornings is? It's fine because in roughly twenty-five years' time, he'll get his comeuppance when WPLJ becomes a Christian station. Yes, that's right. Todd's out of work now, unfortunately. <laughs> Did you listen like, to? I listened to their final link because he finished up the same time I finished up my old show. So me and Todd are in sync at the moment, and uh, I listened to his final link. And uh, genuinely, because I know a bit of, because I'm a radio geek and a wrestling geek. Like Todd Pettengill's always kind of been like the like the, the perfect fodder because he's a bit of both. Uh, and so I know that um, Todd, Scott, and Todd had a big falling out and. From what I gather, Todd was a little bit sort of... He, he didn't sell Scott down the river, but he wasn't very forthcoming with support for Scott Shannon. And uh, then new people came in, and he was a bit of a a bit of a, a, more, a maroon with them. And on the last link of his last show on WPLJ, he basically apologises for it all, which I thought was quite uh, magnanimous. Really? Yeah, he says... He says I. Oh, yeah. He, he, he put the blame. He said, "I take responsibility for all of this happening because the ratings mm. fell over because, like, Todd made it. Todd, Todd made life difficult for Scott, which is why Scott left, and then the show's not been the same. So Todd kind of blames himself." Well, it's it's really quite, quite powerful radio. That. Like, I mean, there's if you know if if listening to final links of radio shows is your thing. Well, oh, it's been a time for it. But there was, uh, but the one with WPLJ was uh, was 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 incredibly emotional. But it does free up Todd Pettingill for a return to the WWE. <laughs> he can be a third wheel on this show if he wants to be. Do you know what, Todd? <laughs> Todd, get in here, mate. We'd love to have you here. Actually, what I'm hoping WWE does is put all the old meanies on the network, so you can watch him with Todd do Connors and go, Todd, what were you thinking? <laughs> I know. I, I wait, wait. Uh, I know how this goes. I know how this goes. Should Todd Pettingill host the Cultaholic Classic Raw review? Call in now. Calls cost one pound a minute. Should Todd co-host WTF with Ross? Oh yes, a thousand <laughs> times yes. I'm going to vote multiple times on this one. <laughs> Should Todd Pettingill feature on the Cultaholic Classic, uh, the Cultaholic Podcast with Puppet Jack and Matthew? So, so we go oh, from that. Hello, to my Todd. <laughs> Oi. How you Watch doing, Todd? All right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bit tired tonight, so I'm a bit silly. We love you, Matthew. Oh, folks, mate. <laughs> Too many American talents on the show. We need, we need less, not more. <laughs> so we go. <laughs> so we go to my favorite part of the show this week, which is not a match, 
but it is the Lex Luger Don't Do Drugs PSA. Oh, yes! This, this happened. Lex if you were Luger watching... in this big old puffy jacket. <laughs> Lex Luger, the, the first words out of his mouth are, growing up as a youngster, as opposed to what? Well, I grew up as an old man. I don't know about you, Justin. Yes, I fell out of the womb at 31. I grew up as a duck. <laughs> it's, it's, all right, listen. If you were sitting around watching that show in 1993 with, with a buddy of yours, and you were just debating wrestling, and you were debating why didn't they put the belt on Luger at SummerSlam, it's like, God, the time was right. Why didn't they make him the guy? He could have been the next Hogan. If you're if you were wondering that in that moment, and they came out of commercial break and you saw this, you would have went, "Oh, <laughs> Luger Valsky has no room for drugs." I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I like that, which suggests to me, I I've got no tape. room for drugs. But if I had room, I would be taking drugs. No, because. It, well, that's what it has. He, he's at full capacity. <laughs> I can't have any I to, more drugs. I had to get some binding twine and some duct tape. <laughs> Just to Come. keep all the drugs in. <laughs> it's going to burst apart any moment now. It's going to explode. There's no room for drugs. I'm full of drugs. Would you like a few more drugs, Lex? Oh, I couldn't have any more. Oh, I am full of drugs. <laughs> he... He was in full crusty poses for trading card photo. Gives no Fs in this thing. <laughs> Growing up as a youngster, I played many sports. They were fun. <laughs> I am proud to be drug free. We went on a field trip. I saw a turtle. It was it was fun. Why, why is it? Why is it, Justin, that it feels like absolutely... Nothing comes natural to Lex Luger. Like, nothing. Like, everything feels like he is doing it for the first time. Like, running to the ring to save his friend. Like, he looks like he's he's never done anything like it ever. Doing, like, a drugs PSA. He talks like he's never talked ever. It's like that old show, The Greatest American Hero, where he finds his suit, but he loses the instructions, so he doesn't know what he's doing for a while. <laughs> That's kind of what it is. <laughs> That should be his theme song, the greatest American hero theme. Like you wouldn't get behind Lex if he had that music. I'm just, I just find him such a fascinating character. Just fascinating. How like so, everything he does just looks so, he looks so uneasy with doing it. And he's been in the industry, but for at this point, for a good while. Like including his time at WCW. He's been in the business for about seven or eight years at this point. Like it's it's like you Kurt like okay, it's it's unfair to draw a comparison. But Kurt Angle sort of hit hit his stride about eight weeks in. Well, Lex has always been a little bit mechanical and take, <laughs> it takes the right person to get the best out of Luger. Like would, Flair. Okay, tell me who the right person is. Cause I ain't seen him yet. Flair. Flair, okay. That's a good shout. But then Flair, but then Flair's everybody's right person. Ricky, Ricky Steamboat. Steamboat's everybody's right person. 
Sting. Okay, I'll give you Sting. Sting, Sting sort of pulled a bit more out of him than, than others did. I'm hesitating to say Barry Windham, but maybe him. Um, Pillman. I don't think I've seen any uh, Luger Pillman matches. They first off at one pay per view, but was it one of the Great American Bashes? God, I can't remember. But they had a pretty damn good match. Maybe Halloween Havoc for one year. I can't remember. But anyway, I have to say that. But after Luger and Pentengill, Cornette might be the third third least tastefully dressed person on this show. <laughs> or possibly Savage. I don't know. Thank goodness he's <laughs> there. And speaking of tastefully dressed, we come to this next match. The Smoking Guns versus Jim Massinger and Steve Smith. And Massinger is wearing the best glorified knockoff Zubaz you ever did see. Jim Massinger has a solid look about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly a look. Jim Massinger looks like Roadhouse stock character number 13. <laughs> or, or, or possibly an extra and over the top. It's a, it's uh, I, I, I love a good jobber team, and this is like the definitive jobber team. Tom, do you want to know why I can't work in wrestling? Go on. Because if I were booking this, I would have had the smoking guns point their pistols at Massinger and fire so that he could yell, don't shoot the Massinger. <laughs> Mate, for that reason, you should be working in wrestling. <laughs> no, 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 that would have... It would have used me and like seven other people, and that and that would have been it. Could you not have it so, like, for some reason, right? Every everywhere Jim Massinger goes, he he gets the backup of all the wrestlers, like so much so to the point whenever they get in the ring with him, like they legitimately start punching and kicking him, just so he can say, "Don't shoot on the Massinger." <laughs> I was thinking you could have him do the RKO out of nowhere, but it'd be called Instant Massinger. <laughs> Mate, we should be working in wrestling. We've just made this guy a star. No, we should be executed is what we should be. <laughs> <laughs> Guillotine, whatever. Electrocution. I'll take, uh, I'll take uh, poisoning. That's fine. Yeah, that... That's not harmful or anything. Nah, it's fine. So I'll go sleep. So this match between the Smoking Guns and the uh, Roadhouse Extras is merely a backdrop for Vincent Cornette to talk about Luger in the Rumble. And Cornette has a point because he blew his one world title shot at SummerSlam. And should he should he win the Rumble and Yoko's still the champion, how can Lex face him at WrestleMania? That's true, and, and I'm glad and they brought this point. up. You want a spoiler? No, because we... Well, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> no! Well, Bill. How dare you? Oh, yes, Colin. please. <laughs> they never address it again. I oh, mean, really? They bring it up. I mean, they bring it up, but when it comes time to pass for it to be... The Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I'm in the motion. They just say, eh, he gets the shot, I guess. They just let it go. Because I quite like the just... build to this because it was the whole thing of... He can't win, but just and, and even Jim Cornette mentions like just in case we're getting a security policy in, which would lead to some new faces in the rumble. Yes, Cornette is flying to Toronto to meet with Jack Tunney. I can I wish they had vignettes of that just to see what Cornette hang out with Tunney around the holidays looks like. Oh, it would be a good look. It would be fun times. Just them guys just chilling by the pool in full jackets. I think Jack Tunney really knows how to party. It is my decision that we're going to boogie down. <laughs> somebody somebody crank up the Bell Biv DeVoe. Furthermore, I have bought more punch. It is over there. <laughs> I spiked it myself. Furthermore, all the ladies in the house say ho. <laughs> he was the original godfather. John! <laughs> Oh, oh God! Jack Tunney house party. That is that is your uh, that's your your remit. Jack Tunney house party. Tunney, Tunney and Cornette really giving kid and play a run for their money. <laughs> so there's a lot going on in this match because for one thing, Captain Lou shows up for no reason. I think he just lost. He's just wandering around. Yeah, inside. he just wonders. I wonder whether he was late. Whether he was meant to come out during the head shrinkers match. I will bet you any amount of money that somebody in the crowd pointed at me and said, it's Super Mario. <laughs> it was out at this point, wasn't it? So he, they would have absolutely been a, been a reference on point. Absolutely. That was like the early 90s. Super, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Swing your arms as he's singing the song at the end. Bloody love that song. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Cornette is making Kevorkian jokes. <laughs> One of which was... Uh, he gets this beautiful line where he talks about, like, how do you see Kevorkian if he screws up? They come back to life? Like, what is... He's got a point. Yeah, I, he... I quite like... It felt very Bobby Heenan-esque of um, Jim Cornette to be saying stuff like that. The other good line was he talked about how how Kevorkian did, did a lot of work in Atlanta in recent years. Gee, I wonder who that's a shot at. <laughs> I think we all know. <laughs> well... I mean, Corny never holds a grudge against anybody. We know this. He is a very reasonable man who doesn't say anything out of turn. He lets bygones be bygones. 
Never holds a grudge. So DDT and a flying bulldog finish off my new favorite wrestler, Jim Massinger. We still don't know why why Albano is just hanging around. Maybe he lost like a contact lens or something and went out to find it. <laughs> Even Vince seems quite confused by it. <laughs> Maybe Bruce was ribbing him or something. <laughs> All right, Lou, that's your cue. Go. Now, Lou must interfere during the Undertaker match later and then jump Taker and start their feud. Oh. No, sending out early. Yes, please. <laughs> it's like Mario versus Bowser at the castle. <laughs> That'd have been great. All right, all right, Lou. Here's what happens: Taker's gonna try to jump on you, but then the floor's gonna break away when he lands. So he he has to fall through the floor, and, and, and then you win. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Get that on a pay per view. They've made all the money. We'll pay in booze. Deal. We'll pay you in everything inside this mystery question mark box. It includes Todd Pentengill's duster. <laughs> American dumbass Todd Pentengill. Speaking of Todd's, our next match has a Todd in it. IRS versus Todd Mata. <laughs> hey, so I did a bit of research into, into this. So IRS is obviously, you know, the tax man. Um... If you Google Todd Martyr, the first thing mm-hmm. that you get is a LinkedIn profile to Todd Martyr, the vice president of tax planning for the First Data Corporation. So obviously, this encounter he had with IRS, he taught him some important lessons about filing. It was like career day, basically. Like one of his career fairs they have at school sometimes. <laughs> It very well might have been. Did we get a look inside IRS's briefcase as he came out? Uh, yes, IRS is arranging some stuff in his Halliburton. And this must have been an angle they did over the weekend because uh, he has Razor Ramon's missing golden necklaces in, in, in his Halliburton. And when the camera zooms in, IRS gets all defensive and pushes the cameraman away and closes his case as fast as possible. That's when Cornette informs us that a man's briefcase is sacred. Said with genuine a plume. <laughs> so Razor has two feuds going on at once here. He's a busy man, isn't he? The damn wild card. It shows you. It does. <laughs> he keeps jumping from superstars to all American to Raw. He's a busy man. He's a barnstormer. But yeah, he's got Sean. He's got IRS, and pretty soon they'll converge. They will converge. So, Mata gets in some offense because it's like jobber offense night. Well, not, I'm not calling Fatu a jobber, but he's, he's beneath Savage on the on the food chain at that point in time. Yeah, this is the night where where a lot of uh, enhancement type fellas get a lot of a lot of good action in. He does get a sunset flip at one point and a pretty decent one at that. That's when Cornette talks about how he's seeing Princess Diana on the side, and Vince apologizes to the royal family as though they're watching. The Queen loves Raw, I'll have you know. The only reason that Donald Trump is over today is so that they can watch Raw together. Is that what it is? That's why That's why Trumpy's in he... the old UK this week. Of course I'm a great wrestler. They put me in their Hall of Fame. I think it's great. I love, I love Buckingham <laughs> Palace. It's the best palace. It's my favorite palace. <laughs> I'm in and demolition isn't, and they were tag champs for a long time. That's how great I am. 
I like how your Donald Trump sounds a little bit like Arnie, like a slightly camp Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Hasta la vista. <laughs> <laughs> Would Ted Cruz have been lying Ted DiBiase? He's lying Ted. Don't listen to him. <laughs> So Iris pins Mata with a simple back suplex. He just rams his head in the buckle like five times. He gives him a back suplex. It's not quite the write-off, but it'll do. Easy win for Iris. Just keeping him relevant. Uh, just showing and off that he's got the, the chains of Ramon. So we're getting a little bit of story development here. But then Iris goes to grab the briefcase at the end and walk off with it. It opens up, and the crowd actually like points out, like, look, look. And Iris quickly closes it and runs off. I think the most animated Iris has ever been on one of these shows. Loved him. Meanwhile, at home, he has a kid who uh, will eventually host a children's show where he puts on an evil mask and says, let me in. That is still the best thing that is currently going on the on. I wish they opened the up. Yeah, Bray's carrying it. It's like, it's like the one interesting thing. So, how do you feel about this WWF unbelievable vignette? Because I like this a lot. It was, um... I, I... It was the fact that Jim Cornette <laughs> talked about it afterwards. Which meant that we all saw it. Which meant it must have happened in some way. Unless, as part of the WWE's remit... Let's explain, let's explain what happens. And then we will, um... We'll, we'll, we'll explore it with, with a fine-tooth comb. So we get shots of New York City with Yokozuna mm -hmm. dressed as Father Christmas. And he's mm -hmm. smiling and happy and kids are sat on his lap and he's having a lovely time. And then we suddenly jump he's cut. He's in Times Square. He's in Times Square. He's, he's in New York. He's America. Mm -hmm. And we suddenly jump cut to Yoko sitting up in bed in a cold sweat. And then Mr. Fuji kind of comes over and assures him he had a bad dream. Unbelievable. Now, now my first question, does Fuji watch Yoko sleep? <laughs> I think he must do. Does Fuji sleep standing up like a parakeet? <laughs> on, on like a little perch or something? That's the only <laughs> like, way like... I could think of it working. Because it was as soon as he woke up, Fuji just is right there. Like, you know, you had a bad dream. It's okay. And, I mean, it, it was cute for what it was. Like, the, like Yoko being out of character, being nice to the kids and all that. And he realized, no, I don't want to be that person. And, I thought it was – I mean, compared to some of the dumb, unbelievable ads they've done, like, like with, with the baby in the building blocks, this was kind of – this was a lot better. I liked it. It was fun. But then I – I think that the announcer shouldn't have acknowledged it. It should have just been and gone. With with Vince going, ha, huh, Yoko Claus, like before it, yucking about it, and then Jim Cornette going, I can't believe that he was dressed as Santa Claus afterwards. Like, how, how, do, like, and I know that wrestling is suspense of disbelief, and I know this, but how are we meant to see Yokozuna's dream? You know, in our next match, we have a zombie mortician. <laughs> so I think this, I think, I think the precedent's already been set here. 
Yeah, fair point. It was a funny advert, though. I will give you that. I will give you that. I mean, right now, I'm staring at Twitter on, on my laptop here, and one of the trending topics is McLovin, the character from uh, Superbad, because it, it's his kayfabe birthday. Aww. And he says, McLovin, and the, and the subtext is, happy birthday to McLovin, the 38-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. <laughs> Said so deadpan. Happy birthday, McLovin. Dead, that takes us to, this takes us to The Undertaker. Who's wrestling J.S. Storm? Auga! J.S. Storm. Auga! Auga! What's that? Auga! Oh, that's the new cage match review alarm that I've had fitted in this studio. Which means. <laughs> it's very high tech. <laughs> Thank you. Which means, as we said last week, it is time for a 0 out of 10 cage match review. That's the jingle. Um, All right, give me a wrestler. Okay, I've got I've got the Undertaker in front of me. Not okay. not the actual not Mark Calloway. He's busy, but I've got a review, a zero out of ten review of the Undertaker, one of the greatest of all time, left by a user on the. On the wrestling encyclopedic database, cagematch.net. Okay. Okay. So, so basically, on Cage Match, if you've never been before, uh, users are encouraged to leave comments about the wrestlers and give them scores between zero and ten. Zero being rubbish, ten being amazing. So, I try and find for some key wrestlers on each of these shows, uh, zero out of ten reviews. We had one for Bret Hart last week. Somebody on this planet thinks Bret Hart is worth a zero out of ten. And I can tell you that Beerus believes, that's the user's name, that The Undertaker is worth a mere zero out of ten. And he writes the following. Rose-tinted glasses aside, flashy entrances and WWE propaganda make him look greater than he is. As a kid, I was more into the edgier, badass stars of the WWF. This supernatural gimmick bores me, honestly. His feuds are all the same. Opponent kills Taker. He vanishes for weeks. Reappears. Destroys him in consecutive matches. Rinse, repeat. Boring feuds and bad matches throughout the 90s. Terrible run as American badass. Goes part-time. Has some... Well rehearsed WrestleMania matches with great wrestlers involving tons of finisher kickouts, and everyone just got jumps on the goat bandwagon. Was never the guy, rather, worked best as a special attraction. Only became a draw due to the streak storyline. I hated how he always had to win every feud. When you lose to Cena slash Triple H, you're buried. But lose to Taker and you're elevated by the rub. Just like Bray Wyatt was. The thing is, you could come out looking good in a loss because he's beaten every damn one. Seriously, I really remember his backstage politician tales slash refusals of jobbing slash bullying slash burying several guys, especially DDP. Even though he looks old, rugged, worn out for ages, he still has to be booked as indestructible and destroy every young rising star's credibility when he should be putting over some up-and-comers at least once in his career. 
bad promos, stale gimmick, mediocre worker for most of his career. I want to party with that guy. <laughs> he sounds like a riot, doesn't he? Or she. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> More Zero Cage match reviews next time. I was going to pull up when I found for The Rock, but we'll, we'll save that for three years from now. You can do it now if you want, because we'll have a whole new audience in three years. It's churn, isn't it? <laughs> we re yeah, I reckon so in about nine months' time, we can start making the same jokes again. Yes, we do have a cycle here. Um, Roll with Raven has this to say about The Rock, who, in case you've forgotten, Tommy, is one of the biggest movie stars on planet Earth today. I'm vaguely familiar with work he's done. He's, 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 apparently one, he's apparently the most famous professional wrestler in history, quite possibly, based on not just his wrestling, but also his uh, Hollywood stardom. He's, he, he's been in a lot of well-received... Passing, passing recollection of his work, I suppose. Um, one of the kingpins of the Attitude Era. One of the, one of the biggest stars of, of several different eras. He, he's, uh, he, he's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, he's no Bob Ollie. And... Well, Roll With Raven had this to say about The Rock 16 months ago. Oh, strapping. Never had I seen a wrestler so untalented, so boring as a wrestler, so cringeworthy on the microphone, and so overrated. He buried so many young, promising talents during his time. He was doing well, hence a zero out of zero, until they made him a baby face. I believe he was better as a heel, hence a zero out of zero. Rock had some mic skill. I agree. I agree with that, but he was way too spelled incorrectly, cringeworthy, and made you want to change the channel. His Royal Rumble win is one of the most undeserved wins of all time. He was boring in the ring, and took the WrestleMania 17 main event from wrestlers who actually deserved it. He has done this more than once. Another being another being at WrestleMania 29. He's also one of the most uncharismatic wrestlers, on the mic, to have ever stepped inside the ring. <laughs> Wow. Uncar the Rock's uncharismatic. Gosh. Yeah. Imagine, okay, if The Rock is the least charismatic person on the planet, like, we're all doomed. Yeah, then we're just a, a collective void otherwise. We're just like a, a, a library. So this has been <laughs> Cage Match Reviews. Some of the funniest ones we could possibly find. More next time. We, if you find a great one, by all means, show it to us because they are they are entertaining in their own way. We are we are but welcome to... and excited about receiving more zero out of ten cage match reviews. Send them to at JRH writing on Twitter or to me at Tom Campbell on Twitter. I'd love to see them. Back to Undertaker wrestling JS Storm, who has a very um, time specific look going here. Looks like Kenny McCormick's dad, minus the trucker cap. We find out now that it is Taker versus Yoko in a casket match at the Royal Rumble for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Ah, get it. Uh, uh, wait, wait till we get to that match. A storm and his mullet get thrown out of the ring. Meanwhile, Cornette accuses WWE of contract tampering. We have a great moment in this match where Taker goes for the choke slam. He, he clasps the throat, the goozle of J.S. Storm, and Storm makes this great horrified face. He may have been legitimately scared here. Uh, Tombstone finishes in short order. 
And then <laughs> we get a moment that makes this match. <laughs> Paul Bear enters the ring with what appears at first to be a large, hefty trash bag, but is in fact a body bag. Yeah. They put they put it on the mat, and Taker and Paul Bear carefully put poor J.S. Storm inside the body bag and zip it up. <laughs> so now, Tom, what is Undertaker's uh, character alignment at this point? He's a good guy, sir. He's a good guy. He's an he's an all American good guy. He loves America. He saved Miss Elizabeth from an attack by Jake Roberts. So he, even though he's an undead zombie, he does have a strong moral compass, right? <laughs> yes. Well, well, now I'm starting to understand what the zero out of zero review may have been saying here about him about him being a colossal dick because. This poor man is trapped inside a body bag. He's been beaten. He lost cleanly, got tombstoned and pinned. The man is laying on the mat, trapped inside this big black body bag. Tigger runs off the ribs and hits the people's stomp right onto the bag. The guy's defenseless. I don't get dude... why Undertaker decided this is this is now a thing I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna batter the guy in a body bag. It's like, why not just waterboard him at ringside <laughs> with his hands tied behind his back? Whether it was, I don't know whether it was sending a message to Yokozuna, but it didn't work as such. <laughs> it's like, this could be you if you grow a mullet and lose 400 pounds. <laughs> Maybe J.S. Storm was just a, a bit of a moron backstage. It's, it's possible, and we'll see Yokozuna very soon do something to a, another jobber in brutal fashion. In fact, much scarier than what Tigger did to J.S. Oh, oh, I know the bit you mean as well. It's coming. It's coming oh, very geez. soon. I want to relive that horror. We get a montage of Jeff Jarrett clips. Just all the stuff spliced together from previous weeks. Much in the same fashion that when Millhouse quit the production of Radioactive Man, he's put together a bunch of Jimmy <laughs> Jillifer's clips. <laughs> yeah, that bit with him sat on the sofa. <laughs> Jimmy Jillifer's. <laughs> it's just all thrown together from like the previous six weeks or whatever. I'm still no more interested in seeing him. Do you know what this suggests to me? Do you know what this gives away? That the last few weeks he's just said the same old garbage. Because you can so easily piece together the entire thing. Because he just says the same thing every week. It is just a tapestry of tedium. A tedious tapestry, if you will. <laughs> it's just, I'm bored from Nashville. I'm the best singer they have. That's great. Why are you in a wrestling ring? Is this, was there a reason why we had this as opposed to, not ha as opposed to having a new one? Was this more because is 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 there a delay? Is it just like a recap of here's all the stuff Jeff's been doing? Well, he is debuting a role next week, so I'm I'm thinking maybe they were just like, maybe supposed to debut this week, but then they just decided to hold off on a week and figure well we got to do something in the meantime to hype him up. Let's just throw all, all the footage together and uh, hope for the best and, and just go with that. Could be that. I mean, yeah, I mean, they reminded me he existed. It didn't really make me care anymore, but they certainly reminded me that he existed. It was just a sign of life. <laughs> but even more important than Jeff Jarrett, well, way more important, 
we get next week on Monday Night Raw, Ludwig Borga versus Tatanka. A battle for the Tatanka ages. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward, though. I don't know about you. I mean, I like the fact there is there's a legitimate beef between these two because Tatanka had his undefeated streak ended by Borga. So there's a reason for them to be fighting. So I'm fine with that. Like, the shred of reason for why these two are having a match is plenty. I'm okay with it. It's bearing a lot of the squash of ROMs we've had this week. And it's like we an, un- it's an unfinished bit of work from Survivor Series. Obviously, Tatonka wasn't at Survivor Series, so it's uh, something we can dip into. Absolutely. Rick Martell versus Tim McNeeny. Now, during this match, speaking of wrestlers giving pre- prelim guys a lot of offense, McNeeny gets a lot of offense in this match. And referee Mike Kyoto either had a plane to catch or he had a girl waiting for him, whatever it was. Because you've never seen a referee count faster in your entire life. He does Not look even... like he's working at about 100 miles an hour. <laughs> even heel referees who are trying to screw the babyface over don't count this fast. <laughs> he, he counts the way delirious twitches. It did look on several occasions like Tim was gonna just steal it. He did like a he did he did an inside cradle on him at one point, and like you said, Kyoda went down dead quick to count it. <laughs> the count's like one thirty. It's like it was literally that fast. <laughs> this was about like a hundred different pinning combinations from Tim. I thought Tim was gonna win it. I hope Tim was gonna if, win it. If a Marta- Perhaps it was just a challenge just to see, see if a Martel would kick out of the pin at all, like in time, like like like, like Tessie Martel's quickness. Do you reckon it might be a rib on Martel? That yeah, might have been. He's in great shape, thirty. Let's see, let's see how great a shape he is. Let's test his reflexes a little bit. How do you feel about Rick Martel in this particular era? Because he's in good shape. Hmm. He hadn't had a, he hadn't had like a fresh angle though. He was kind of just. A veteran, that, like a trust veteran who was just there, but he felt kind of out of place. But, you know, he, we're in the Adam Bomb, Bash and Booger, Men on a Mission era. Martel, this seems like he doesn't really fit in with that. It does seem I mean, a bit, it's, it, I can't decide whether it's awfully out of place or whether he just kind of... Uh, I don't know whether it works or not. It'd be like today if, uh, if someone like Sabio Vega was wrestling on a roll right now. Nothing yeah. against Savio, but he just—he—he he, he, he supposed to be his feet from another time. Like I—I I love Savio. Don't get me wrong. It just—it does feel different. It's during this match that Vince plugs the movie Jericho Fever, airing on USA. And that will be the last time we hear the word Jericho on Raw for about five years. And and, and now probably not for a long time. Jericho Fever. Uh, according to uh, let's see what is it, what does it have on Rotten Tomatoes? Let me see here. It's got a six out of ten on the IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes doesn't even have a rating. Um, it's loading, it's loading. I guess my internet's been slow this weekend. No rating, not one review. Oh, that's that's pretty even worse. Hmm. <laughs> Aired on USA Network on December '93, starring Stephanie Zimbalist. Oh, I had Bobby Six Killer from Renegade in it. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta see this movie now. 
It's 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 a killer's row of actors. These are people who aren't good enough for dancing with the stars. So, Martel busts out the MMA at one point and gets a front guillotine for like 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that guillotine was on for ages. I didn't get that. Was it almost Mick. like... I don't think that Martel was was doing it to tell the referee to slow down. <laughs> Calm down that. or I'll kill him. <laughs> mixed, mo mixed model arts. <laughs> hey... So, I mean, he powers out because he's stronger than, like, me and Minotaurus and Nogura. <laughs> he, he misses a drop kick. Boston Crab is applied. Match over. All he's missing was a Mike Gorbachev to yell, It's all over! That was a spirit, a little squash, to say the very least. And as Martel's walking to the back, somebody's got a Rick Martel poster, and he starts to admire it, which I thought was cute. And see, I'm still over. <laughs> People still like me. I'm in a magazine. I was AWA champ, and the Stan Hansen beat me, and I ran over the belt with his truck. Oh, I forgot. He was... Oh, yeah, I forgot that. It's been the whole, the, the sort of like the, the final throws of the AWA and how bizarre everything was, like Martel being the champ and Stan Hansen like, not wanting to drop the belt, so he runs it over with his truck. And then we almost had Greg Gagne versus like Rocky Mountain Thunder for the title. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, do you know what? Why haven't they uploaded onto the WWE Network the spectacular legacy of the AWA? Because that is a great DVD documentary that I used to own. I don't now because I chucked loads of my DVDs out and I miss watching it. Because I, because people like me would rather watch the Team Challenge series uh, trailer or, or, or the um, the pilot and the, uh, and the serial challenge from 89. I mean, those are both great. But then the documentary just just touches on so many other things, and it gets a little bit sort of mick takey. There was one point where they talk about like all the stars they used to have, like used to have Hogan, Andre, DiBiase, da 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 da, and and now we have cut to a shot of like the last week of AWA and the ring announcer going Rooster Griffin, Griffin, <laughs> poor Rooster Griffin. Maybe talking shit about uh, Jake the Milkman Milliman, my hero. <laughs> Is he real? Jake the Milkman Milliman? He won the turkey on the pole match against Colonel the Beers. He did, didn't he? <laughs> I'm not making any of this up. I forgot about him. I always like the idea of like a full-on Milkman gimmick, though, in wrestling. Well, they call him the Milkman because he was everybody's father. <laughs> he was... I thought it was because he always <laughs> delivered. Oh... Well, it was true in more than one sense. <laughs> and, he, and he had pints of it. But... So we have a sit-down interview. <laughs> we have a sit-down interview with Owen Hart. <laughs> he, he's not quite the comical rocket that we would see in 94. He's, he, 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 he's just a very... At this, I hate to call him bland at this point, but he, he's very straightforward with how he talks. He's all about being in Brett's shadow. And he's challenging Brett to a singles match because he's tired of being the shadow and living in the shadow. He has to be. He wants to beat Brett to show that he can be on Brett's level, if not even better. All right, so we're getting somewhere with the story. What does the body language here suggest to you? Because like a bit of nerves. Owen Hart is sat, legs akimbo, so like sort of man spreading. Vince McMahon is sat to the left of the screen and his mm -hmm. legs 
are open, man-spreading, but they are either side of Owen's left leg. Like, he's almost... Like, if, if he was to fall forward, he would be straddling Owen Hart. I just wasn't sure what this body language from Vince suggested. Well, how about we ask Freud and see what he thinks? I think, well, Freud will say it's because he wants to sleep with his mother. So there's no point asking Freud. Freud might be right. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but I, like the fact that we're, but, Owen. but I like the fact that we're building to a Brett Owen singles match. I think this is nice. Or, or joke aside about man spreading and such. This is, again, we are, one thing that's really nice about this time is that we are seeing these, these shoots grow. These Owen Hart like superstar shoots that are growing and in 94 they will bear some incredible fruit and all this slow build to it you know there's nothing that's like overdone the, the stories are the stories are very basic but they're but they're effective it's it, it does contrast to what john moxie was saying on his various podcasts over the last week when he uh he took the piss out of the whole creative process in the movie today and uh I can't say that I, I, I listen to any of it and wanted to call it BS because I think he's right about a lot of that. Like I miss this storytelling, these storytelling devices, how simple it was back then. It truly is. Like it's the simple stuff always works better. But some people just I guess don't see it that way today, unfortunately. So we come to our main event, and this is how I'll call this a main event: Bret Hart versus the Brooklyn Brawler. Kind of one show we have Brett Savage and Taker all wrestling. Well, it's a was packed it, show for Raw. Was it, was it Sweeps Week or something? <laughs> I don't know whether it's just because they've. Because I know they have such an issue with like scheduling at this point. It still feels like they're still finding the sides with the whole Monday Night Raw weekly show thing, and it does feel like. It's a very top-heavy Monday Night Raw. Whether it's the first, is this the first of a new batch of tapings? Uh, yes. So it feels like they've just they've chucked a lot of stars in early. What's weird is I'll point this out now. Now that I'm thinking about it, next week's show was actually taped before this week's show. It was taped on the night the Heenan left. Oh. But then the sh- but then the two shows after that are taped the same night as this one. So it goes A taping, A taping, new B taping. Back to the taping, E taping, B taping. How odd. I, I don't get it. I don't know why they did it that way. No, well, that's... Very peculiar. Odd indeed. Mm-hmm. So, so Brett, so Brett Brawl have an arm drag party. Got a neat little spot where Brawler goes for a Sam and Brett rolls through with another arm drag. He does all the arm drags this week. Yeah, this is... Uh, this. This isn't a material from Brett, but is this a squash match? Yeah. Vince tells us that next week Shawn Michaels is going to be on commentary. And, and Jim Cornette informs us, I love Shawn Michaels. <laughs> well, I've got a few kayfabe commentaries releases that might contradict that's not. I know one's kayfabe, one's not. <laughs> but it is, it is funny to hear Cornette say that, though. Yeah, I don't buy it, but I think because obviously because Shawn Michaels is a bad guy, then of course he's a of he's Cornette. a bad guy too. Well, Cornette wasn't an office guy back then, so he maybe he didn't once so bothered by Shawn back then. But when he when he's in the office in the mid '90s and it has to deal with Shawn on a more 
professional basis or from, from a more of an office standpoint, that opinion might have changed a little bit. And justifiably so, based on the stories we, we've all heard. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Brawler goes a bit Ric Flair in this match. Did you enjoy that? Which part was that? When he goes up to the top rope <laughs> and Bret Hart climbs up and throws him off. Uh, yes, because uh, Flair can't hit a top rope move and got mm-hmm. cheered the one time he did in 05. Oh, and he won a belt through it. Yeah, that was... Uh... That's like Flair's most underrated moment ever is when he hit that move on Carlito and the crowd popping like, oh my god, Flair hit that top rope move. First time in 30-something years. <laughs> and therefore, if Bret Hart, if sorry, if Ric Flair had hit every single top move, he would have all the belts. That's what we learned Pretty that much. night. Yes, Lucha Flair. Lucha Flair. Lucha Flair. Flair in a mask. Well, he, he, he did once. He was Black Scorpion. So we get... We get some topical BS on commentary, just whatever's in the news, because Vince has to show that, you know, hey, we're hip, we're with it. Cornette indulges him. Brett hits the several moves of Doom. Sharpshooter finishes, and that's pretty much that. All there is to it. Nice showcase for Brett. This is obviously keeping Brett fresh in the minds of people, showing off what a great wrestler he is. Keeps him ticking over. <clears throat> Gives him a platform to talk about Sean. Again, like, Brett is another person with potentially some... Over overlapping feuds, very much like Ramon, obviously Owen on the bubble, Shawn Michaels still ticking along as well. I think the Brett Shawn issue is pretty much over for now. He just happened to be there to because someone had to fill in for Lawler. It's like, all right, uh, um, all right, Timothy. Well, you're going to be who insulted Brett for months and his family, and and these are your nights now. No. <laughs> So they plug the Savage phone number again because it's, it's very important to see who co-hosts Pet and, Mania with Pet and Gil. Such a weird thing to be promoting. <laughs> of all things. Just can't get me head around that. Next week on the show, Men on the Mission are in action as well as Owen Hart. Jeff Jarrett makes his debut. Jeff Jarrett, to... who, by the way, looks like a gym instructor from a videotape in the 90s. <laughs> it's very Jane Fonda-ish. Very Jane Fonda. And, and, of course, the Tonka versus Ludwig Borga in the big rematch from when Borga conquered the streak of the Tonka. Revenge for the streak. This is basically Undertaker Brock. <gasps> it, Borga's Brock! We can, the theory continues! So who, Brock broke a streak? Borga broke a streak! And the Tonka replaced... Or, was replaced by Taker at Survivor Series. <gasps> Conspiracy! Put on your tinfoil hats, everybody. Oh my... Borger Brock! The Borger Brock theory! So what's going to happen on next week's show? I guess, I guess the Tonka hits him in, uh, in the nuts a bunch of times and then pins him. Oh, if that happens. And then they feast off in February at Heck in the Cell. Oh, wow. The bull. I'm excited to find out next week when we do Monday Night Raw again. Goddamn Xerox of fate this is. Oh, ho, ho, ho. right. We need to. So Jim Cornette has been on Raw this week as the commentator. So we need to pull out the the Heenan Bartlett scale. Da, 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 da. So here's how this goes. OK, so what I need from you, Justin, is a score 
out of 10 for Jim mm-hmm. Cornette. Now, if it's a zero, he is nearer the Bartlett end of the commentating scale. And if it's sure. 10, he's near the top because obviously Bobby Heenan is a 10 and uh, Bartlett is a zero. So where are we putting him on the on the Heenan-Bartlett scale? I very much enjoyed Cornette on commentary this week, but I don't think it was his absolute greatest effort. So I'm going to give him a very solid nine. A nine. Okay, so he's near the top on the Heenan-Bartlett scale. Excellent work. Uh, Shawn Michaels next week on comms, isn't it? He is. Okay, so Shawn Michaels will make his debut on the Heenan-Bartlett scale, and we'll see how he does next week. Starting off with two solid heavyweights here. Exciting times indeed. So that concludes Monday Night Raw for this week. What do we make of the show, Justin? I thought it was fine. It was, it was pretty star-heavy, which I enjoyed, seeing Brett, Taker, and Savage all on one show. That that was definitely good. And not a lot of the great matches, although Savage Fatu was fun, and the Jobbers did get a lot of offense in, so it was at least a unique show. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I felt like we're, we're progressing nicely to, to the Rumble. I think we've got a, like a good couple of weeks of telly to build it, which I think is really nice. I like it when it falls like this. And uh, so we will continue to ride this train towards the Royal Rumble on Monday, uh, Royal Rumble 94, which is next year. On the as show, we, not now. Right. As, as we build to our first ever Rumble watch along. Do we have a guest organized for this yet? I think... Uh, we do not, but I'm sure we'll be recruiting. We'll be scouting for someone that uh, can definitely bring out the best in a Royal Rumble match and <clears throat> the match that comes before it between Martin Tager and Yokozuna, which will be ooh, a lot of fun to relive. We will be recruiting soon. Look out for the, look out for us doing a thing. Uh, that will conclude it for the Cold to Holly Classic Raw review this week at JRH Rising on Twitter. Anything particular happening for you next week that we need to keep an eye on? Uh, at the moment, no. Um, I'm definitely not going to be watching uh, Super Showdown. Um, I'll be doing something better in my time, possibly sleeping. Um, but yeah, nothing not now the ordinary at the moment. Just the usual. Cultaholic goodliness. Wonderful. Well, in that case, we will check back in with you next week. We'll do it all again. I am at Tom Campbell. You can find me on Twitter there. Normally posting some spicy memes based on wrestling. Thank you for listening. We are together at Cultaholic. The Borger Brock Theory. Google it. Love you. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, 
wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcasts from.